0: You guys can go to your class.
1: Good morning. We'll be um, reading from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 21 through 40. If you want to look at it in the Pew Bibles, it's page
0: 1,594. (laughs) As you can look that up, he's going to read for us. I'm going to just ask. For you to be vulnerable for a moment, what happened this week would you share with everyone?
2: So um, last week, first of the new year I thought I was going to go home and just uh, be with my family but um, we got a phone call that um, one of my cousins passed away in a tragic accident that morning and um, alcoholism was involved. there was no suffering though and just this whole week I've been um, mourning with this family, with his mother and um, helping my mother out herself and uh, my sister as well. Um, he was very special to us, he was only 23 and um, I was vulnerable with uh, the worship team this morning but I just, whatever happens in life I always wanna learn from it and I always wanna take away that God is still glorious and he still gets the honor um just what i've learned from that there's so many of us young people um that's my prayer that you guys would keep us in your prayers young people in this generation we face so many things and we've turned to many vices alcoholism drugs and um gang violence and um sexual impurity it's all around us and it's every everywhere i see everywhere i turn that's what's facing our generation but um my heart just goes out to everyone in my generation that we would not turn to such things and would just want to yield to God and yield his word. I know like I'm still trying to break away from the traditional sense. I know it seems, you know, terrible to say, but sometimes we can be a little bit religious. We can be um we turn away from people, you know, the homeless man on the street or um, the lady in the grocery store needing, you know, a couple bucks and for her kids as she's a single mom. But um, I just that's my prayer that we would be um, relational instead of religious, not that we would want to cast down or judge anybody because we're all the same. We're all creations of God but that we would just have a heart for others. So that's my vulnerability. Amen.
0: I, I wanted her to share because I think so many times in life when we walk through these doors, this wasn't planned, just so you know. We walk through these doors, we put on this, like, show, or this, like, hey, I got everything together. But how many times have we walked in here being life is hard. I lost a friend. I lost someone I care about. Or it might be something else. Job's not going right. But I'm just, for this hour, I'm just going to fake it. I don't want to be that. We're supposed to be believers here together to support each other and love each other. So at this time right now, I'm just going to open and I'm going to pray. But I'm going to ask in your heart to be praying for Delation and her family as well. And so if you'll join me, and if you have something right now in your heart that you're going through, I pray that you will have the opportunity to give that to God as well. So let's pray right now. There, any Father, I pray one for Delacia. And I just pray for who she is and, and where she's at. And I love her passion for youth. I love her passion for worship. But more importantly, I love her passion for you. And when she has that passion for you, you work through her and then it is just so beautiful to see. And I just, I love seeing that but I love her realness. It could have been easy to be like, there's nothing wrong. Everything's okay. I'll go through another week. No, that's not what we're supposed to be. In our brokenness, there you are. And in our mess ups, in our sin, that you've healed it. You've taken care of it. And I thank you for her vulnerability today. And I specifically pray for her family and all of those that are affected by this death. And I know that it's painful, it's hurt, there's agony. There's times that I'm sure of just crying and not even knowing. And I just pray for them all that your comfort, your hand will show up. And I pray for all those that were lost at the funeral yesterday or those at the event that may your love and may they get to know you better. May they get to experience what we get to experience, the grace and mercy. Jesus Christ and I pray right now for anyone that's going through anything in their own life may they feel that they don't have to hide it may they feel that this place is a place where they can lay their burdens at your feet and that we can love each other together in that I thank you for who you are and what you're about and may we continue to pray in this entire situation for your name, your honor, your glory to always be what is the focus. The name, the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Delisha. And I would love for you to open up your Bible uh, as um, Stephen reads for us uh, these passages.
1: On the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of the Lord that every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. so that the thought of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And that child grew, became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him.
0: Thank you, Stephen. As we we dig into this, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I wanted to give you a little bit fuller context. I'm going to be really focusing on Anna. So if many of you know, or if you haven't known, we are doing this reading together. And there's these forms in the back. Okay, There's forms in the back. uh, And this week was Luke 1 through 5. Okay, And next week is going to be Luke 6 through 10. If you read on that, I'm going to let you know each week I am going to be preaching on something in that reading. So you are already going to have a head start. You're going to know already what's coming and what's going to be there. So there will be something there. So I think that helps us get on the same page. Um, and as that is going on, just like Delacia said, and, and before we really dive into Anna, uh, there's these, th- these forms too. If you have questions or concerns, like I'm asking you, like don't wait. Fill them out. Be honest uh be if you want to be baptized or if you're going through a situation please do that as well so that that's sort of the form today but i, I want to give us this this background of what's happening so i uh, the fuller context so we talked about a couple weeks ago the birth of jesus correct and so then it's the circumcision and then now they have to go to the temple and and this is why, and I love how uh, Wiersbe in his commentary states this when he's talking about uh, verses 21 through 24. He says, circumcision was only the beginning. When the child is 40 days old, Mary and Joseph had to take him to the temple uh, for the the purification rites, and this was found in Leviticus 12. So they're redeeming the boy, which is basically the, they're, they're, they're going there and since This is Mary's first son. They're going there, and they have to pay five shackles to redeem the Redeemer who would one day redeem us from his precious blood. And that is from 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. And their humble sacrifice uh, would suggest that they were really poor. Okay, If If they were of richer, they would have brought a lamb. But they didn't bring that. They brought, so it sort of shows their, their status of where they're at, which is really fun. If you still really look at it, uh, they did bring the lamb. Because Jesus is fulfilling it as, as, you, as you look at it. It's, it's a beautiful uh, picture. And then, and, and I know that downstairs, uh, Brad talked about this a little bit, uh, but I think it's something that is, is really key. Uh, is our Lord's relationship to the law is very important in the saving grace. So how Jesus dealt with the law, how his life dealt with the law, and, and we finishes it up with saying this, um, he was made under the law, even though he made the law. And though he rejected some of man's religious traditions, he obeyed God's law perfectly. So he obeyed the law. The law was fulfilled through him. And he bore the curse of the law for us and set us free from bondage. So he's going in there to this temple. Now, this temple is a big place. He's going there, the Redemption Act. And then so what happens is Simeon sees him. Okay? So there's this Simeon knows right away, like what's going on. He knows, hey, I know I'm supposed to see the Messiah before I die. Like, he's, he's got it. And he's got some good words, and he's got some harsh words. It's going to pierce, Mary, you know? There's, there's excitement. There's this uh, confluence. But then I always wondered why they brought Anna into it. I wonder why Luke brought Anna into it. And that's what we're going to be uh, discussing here right now. So, in verse 36, it goes, There was a prophet or prophetess. Anna, the daughter of Penel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after the marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And then coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And the first point is she was a prophetess. Okay, what a prophetess, okay? In the Greek, a prophetess is a feminine of a prophet. So it's the feminine of a prophet. It's any person directed by the inspiration of God to proclaim his will. It is found in the New Testament only here in Luke and in Revelation 2.20. So only twice in the New Testament. So one time is referring to Anna, and the other time is actually talking about the temptress Jezebel. So one good, one bad. Now in the Old Testament, there it is applied to five uh, five women as well. So it's a very it's very it's not used a lot. It's not used a lot of the, uh, of this, but. I do like uh, how Dan Darlin puts it. She was as 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 why Luke would give her this title. And Dan Darlin puts it this way: She was gifted and unafraid to declare the word of God. She was gifted and unafraid to declare it, to declare it properly, to de- declare the inspiration of God. So, a prophetess. What else about Anna? do we know in these simple verses? One and, and a little backtrack is many people uh, through translation her name was probably Hannah, but through translation it was to uh, Anna. and Anna means grace. okay It means grace. To be honest, there's no a lot of times names uh, have like hey these sometimes people say hidden meanings. Uh, the, Luke makes no intention of like, hey, this is why her name. Her name was probably just Anna at this moment. And Anna was, and we also know Anna was very old. Correct? It says that in scripture. And what I like is the Greek literally translates this way. She was very old in her many days. So when I come up to you, you're very old in many of your days. Like I'm going to sound very, very intelligent. I like it. Uh, What else do you know? She was married for seven years. Married. So usually around that time, uh, time frame, people got married around the age of 13 to 14. So in her early 20s, she had lost her husband. She had lost it. Now, I want us to think a little bit. I think so many times when we read scripture, we just bypass that. Like, what was what was she going through in those processes i mean, i I, th- I don't think i if you could tell i think she's seek god then and she'll see that she seek god after but also think about what was going on in her life like do i get to start a family do i get like what does this process look like what does this life look like because many of us have hopes and dreams and we also know as young people that we have more hopes and dreams like She's young and married. What it, it doesn't say, but I, I want us to try to process what who she is because this is an important fact. Is then she was a widow. Now there's different readings of this. Okay, some say she was eighty year, uh, eighty four years old when they're talking, or some think that. After she was tw- after the 21, it was 84 years of her being a widow. So she's actually like 105. I can guarantee you this: no matter what, in that day and age, 84 or 104 or whatever, she is v- very old. That time frame is that would be old in today's standards. That's old, and, and especially in that day day and age, and also to be a widow. She's also that is part of the process. I'm sorry if some of you were offended by the being old at 84. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting in there closer. I love you all. That was not a swipe. It's just that is that is the older age. So as she continues to process that, I, it's sort of that backstory of what Anna is. Anna then goes, and I'm actually going to skip just this one section because I I think that. Uh, it jumps to it. I want to go in a praise God. I, I'm going to skip a, a verse and, and settle here for a second because I really want to settle on that, that next verse because I think it fits together. It is In verse 30, uh, 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. In her life, I believe it's a pattern that she seeked and praised God. She has a moment here where, and you can tell by her lifestyle, when a rough situation happened, she seeked God and she praised God. When now, when she gets to see the Son of God, when she recognizes it, she praises Him. She praises God. What do we praise in our life? Do we seek it all the time? I, I was uh, given an article, and uh, one thing that they said is is as you look at life when you the older you get uh, or the the process uh, you can look at that, you look at life differently We agree with that, but they say a similarity that enters into that is in a time of crisis you sort of it sort of a rushes you to the same sort of time frame of old age are like looking at life differently. I want to tell you a time of crisis in my life. I realized two years ago that I could not play basketball at the same level that I wanted to. (laughs) I was driving, I, I, I coached basketball and I was like, I always want to be able to compete at the highest level of the varsity basketball. Now, when I was in high school and college, I wanted to be the best on the court. But then, when you get a little bit older, it's like, I just don't want to be the worst on the court. So, I'm just like, I got to know where I'm at. So, we're making a drive. I'm playing there, and I'm still, you know, keeping my own. I'm like, all right, I'm definitely not the worst, definitely not the best, which is heartbreaking, but I'm like, I'm still good. But I get the ball, guy passes it up, and I'm dribbling. Now, there's a guy there, like in front of me, guarding me, another guy to my side, but I see my teammate running, and I'm like, oh, yes, if I do this really quick pass right here before a layup. <sighs> has your life ever just slowed down? <laughs> as I am dribbling, I take it, and I'm like, yes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, my leg's not going as fast as I <laughs> usually do. And my brain has made all my brain has made all the calculations. My brain's ready to go. But as the ball's bouncing up, because I know I gotta make this pass, I'm like, my hand's not getting there as fast as I wanted to. And the whole time, I'm like, I'm slow. I can't do this. Why is everything hurting? And I start to throw it, and it wasn't like it would have been better if I blew out my knee, because I would have had an excuse. I didn't have an excuse. My body was just done. It's like, you are not as fast as you were. And the ball goes. And then they turn it over. And I'm like, what just happened? No one else knew it. Everyone else has just been like, I guess he's not that good. Me, I was having, no! I'm slowing down. It was a, I know it's the start of a joke, but it was somewhat of a little crisis. Being like, I could not do what i wanted to do at the pace i wanted to do it and the other team scores a bucket because of it and as that was a process i started thinking and and they use this example and i i think it it is what it is is as we look at anna's life she had things of crisis she lost her husband now she's, she's really old she's looking for redemption but she always was faithful to God. 2 years ago, COVID happened. A crisis came on. It didn't matter how at age you were, didn't matter how old or young, now we found out more, but at that time it just everyone. Everyone there was a time of crisis. People started reading Revelation a lot more. Like, it, it changed different people, but it's also changed people since then. It sort of like was almost like a dividing line of, hey, what's, where are you at? Because some people, and this is even afterwards, it, it affected some people have not come back into the church, you know? And some of it's because they want nothing to do with God. Some of it's like, oh, I can just watch online. It can fit my schedule some of it have people have serious health issues and that makes it but but all of a sudden there's this crisis and so it starts in times of crisis start what do you what do you really follow on and i wanted to make sure that through all this anna praised god anna was faithful and when she was able to do and be able to see it she was able to see the son of god doing it i, I think she really really soaked that soaked that in uh, as COVID happened, I think, too, that something happened. We got really more, uh, uh, I guess, better at technology. Zoom was huge. FaceTime, being able to see it, being able to connect. We were able to have it, but it's, not the, it's still not the real thing, is it? No. It's, it's close, but it's not the real thing. We'll get to that later. Third point. Third point is, Anna wanted to be close to God. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Anna wanted to be near holy ground. Now, some the, the commentaries differ. There's some... Uh, uh, there was probably not really rooms there uh, that she would stay at night. Some say that they might have found a place for her, but many would say she was off. But all it was saying is she was there all the time. She was there. And I can tell you this, in Old Testament, there is a biblical, like, geography plays a huge part. The holy land, is, it's holy land for a minute. The holy ground, as Abraham you know, and Moses, like the, it's holy land. It's like holy ground. And where did Anna want to be? Anna wanted to be close to God. Anna wanted to be by the temple. Anna wanted to be there, wanted to be that. So let me give you an example of this. And this is in 2 Kings 5. We're going we're to talk about uh, uh, Naaman. So Naaman is the commander. He has leprosy. He's got to go see Elijah. Okay, so he's going there. He goes there. And if you want to pick up, we're going to start in verse 9. It goes, says this, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Now, Elijah sent a messenger to, uh, to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Uabana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Now Naaman's sermon went to him and said, My father, if the prophets had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said... Now, I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Now listen to this. This uh, He goes, If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as as a pair of mules can carry. Be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings or sacrifices to another God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimen to bow down and he is leaning on my arm and I have to bow there also. I will bow down in the temple of Remen. May the Lord forgive your servant for this Go in peace, Elijah said. Why was he asking for dirt? Why was he asking for dirt? That's weird. Holy ground. ground. Wanted dirt. He wanted the the land of the true God. The land of the king. Now, that, that seems he wanted the holy ground. He took it. Where was Anna? Anna wanted to be close to the holy. He wanted to be close to God. He wanted to be on holy ground. She never left the temple. She worshipped there fasting and day and night, and she was there all the time. And because of that, she got the privilege to see Jesus, because that's where she was. How many of us let situations dictate our relationship with God? Let's go, we were just talking about COVID. We just talked about how many people decided not to go back to church. How many people decided to look differently at things? How many people like got really like in tough situations and started fights between their families? How many people started all this kind of junk because they weren't seeking holy ground? They were seeking their own situation to be right. I know that's a a sensitive subject, but... We, we can't look at Anna and be like, oh, her husband died. Like, what, she didn't go through something? Being a, think about being a widow in that time, going through things. What? But she chose to be close to God. Anna gives us a great example of in any situation of life, and no matter what, she wanted to be close to God. And then finally, I wanted to take a look at, at is what is closeness to God? What does that look like? I want, I want the band to come up uh, as they, they're going to play here soon, but I'm, I'm going to sit in this a little bit. It says in verse 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jesus. The reason why I read Simeon and Anna, most of them would consider that they're both old, but it is made clear that Anna is, is old at this moment. But as we focus on her, her response to recognizing God's working hand, Jesus, Jesus didn't do anything yet. She recognized him before he had done anything. He couldn't walk. Had Jesus done anything? Did Jesus do a miracle yet? Did Jesus die? Did he rise again? Did he get the 12 disciples? Has Jesus done anything? No, he hadn't done anything yet. But that didn't matter. She recognized who he was. She recognized who he was because she was so close to God, she knew the Messiah was coming. Knew what it was. That's why she was at the temple. That's why she was there. Because she wanted to be with God at all times. That's why she praised him. You know, Simeon talks to, talks to uh, Joseph and Mary. Anna just goes straight to God. Thanks, God. And then what she do after that? She tells everyone. She tells them about it. She doesn't tell him about the situation. You know, 84 years ago, I had a husband. My thing is, is I think what has happened with too many of us is we've let situations dictate our life. We let those situations be the ground we live on. We don't live on holy ground all the time. We live on situation to situation that we go on. We go when all of a sudden something happens, that is what we live on. That affects us. When a family member does something or a family does this, that affects us. When we don't get the job promotion, we let that affect us. When the government is not the side that we voted for, we let that affect us. When all of a sudden, I didn't like the way he spoke today or I don't like whatever it is, We let the situations dictate the way we feel, live, and do that. We are not called to do that as Christians, as believers. We are called to be on the holy ground. We are called to be in Him. You know what is great? Is that He's given us the Holy Spirit now, and so we are now allowed to be with Him all the time. It's the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to share the holy ground with other people now. We are able to share that. Not, uh, not determined on situation. That's what is amazing about Anna. In three verses, three verses, you get to see this woman. You get to know a lot about her life. She decided to be close to God besides to find another man. But the world will tell you different. Right? The world would say, no, you have to live this way. You have to do this. And it's one thing to know the right thing. And we're like, oh, process it. It's another thing, because it's really hard. But when we go through that situation, where do we fall on? Do we go to the holy ground? Do we, are we close to God? Are we seeking Him, no matter what the situation is? Or do we not? And that's a question you have to ask yourself as you go out throughout the day. Have situations controlled most of your life? If I look at Anna, her dependency was not on another person. Her dependency was not on a thing. It was only serving him only. I do like it. I don't know if I heard it from a friend or or, or, or read it, but Anna did get remarried. Married God. Anna was faithful, whatever, in whatever situation you're in right now, God has given you a blessing. Maybe you are, Mary, Mary, or that. Those aren't bad things, but are you on His ground? Are you inviting, the difference is, are you inviting Him to your ground? I think we're supposed to be on His ground. I think we're supposed to be there, to closest to God. So many times we try to pull Him to where we're at. So I'm going to ask you right now, And as you get this worship thing, what situation have you not given God? What situation in your life have you said no? Or maybe you've given a situation, but you haven't given it your all. Where you're like, okay, I'm willing to live here for 84 years because I just want to be so close to you. And some of us are scared to go talk to our neighbor about Jesus. And we know God's been pushing on us. As they sing this song, the altar's gonna be open. It's not holy ground, per se, because God owns it all. But maybe you need to be more worried about you being right with God than what people think of you come up i think that's always been the the issue with the altar it's never been about it's always about am i right am i on your ground god am i right and i want us to be right i don't want us to be dependent on the situation so if you come up here i can guarantee you i might just put my hand on you and pray or we'll have another elder pray for you or someone else just come up and just pray for you now you go through the situation. You don't have to. But I also know that if you're not right, then why would you not come up? To put where it is. Because some of you are going through some stuff. Some of you are. We just had one example. Maybe that's where you're at. What's your situation? Are you fully on His ground? And then I'll close us in prayer.